I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18. I want you to have a Bible to follow along as we look at that passage. So the guys have some Bibles. They're going to make their way toward the back. And if you need one, just get their attention. They'll give you one. It is a gift. Keep it and bring it back each Lord's Day. We look at God's Word together every Sunday. We've had a break from our series in the book of Psalms since just before the holiday. We'll get back to it two weeks from today, but in between, next Sunday is Sanctity of Life Sunday, so the message will be on that theme. And today, as Pastor Larry mentioned during the announcements, we have a a commissioning service for Pastor Rich and Tracy Carrico, who are following God's call to help a relatively new church in Detroit. Now, for any guests today, you've come on an unusual Sunday, as it's not often that we have an occasion like this. But I hope that you will profit as we look at the biblical precedent for what it is that we do today. We're brought to this day after several years of Rich and Tracy discerning the Lord's call. Pastor Rich told me a few years back that they would like to help a church in the city of Detroit. At that point, they didn't have a particular one in mind, but the Lord worked that out through me introducing Pastor Rich to a church planter there. That came about because I was part of a group of older pastors and young church planters that met every couple of months for us old guys to provide advice to the planters. In one of those meetings, perhaps three years ago, one of them said he needed help with organizing his church plant administratively and in particular with finances. Over the years, Pastor Rich has been very generous with his time, always willing to share what God has taught him in ministry here I knew he'd be more than willing to speak with Pastor Drew Ainsley and assist Refuge Church in Detroit. So I introduced the two of them, and they've been working together over the last few years, and through that, Pastor Rich and Tracy have seen the need there and believe that they can help fill it as we know that they can. So this past summer, Pastor Rich came and said, in effect, if we're ever going to do it, we need to do it soon, as I'm getting old. Well, I couldn't argue with that. (laughs) He is old. In fact, he's my elder by nine months. So in a nutshell, that is how this day has has come about. I'll have a bit more to say on a a personal level about the Caracos connection to to Detroit at tonight's fellowship, and I'll allude to their service here as we go through today's message. And of necessity by the very nature of this service as we try to connect biblical precedent to what our friends are doing we're going to be talking about things that folks in the bible have done for the lord and things that our friends here have done for the lord but i never want us to lose sight as i go through that litany that it's only because of the lord that we do these things and as we have already sung today yet not i but christ in me and and in christ alone So please, as I go through these things, always bear in mind, we give all for Christ because he's first given all for for us. And so the roots of this day, yes, indeed, go back only a few, uh, they go back a few years, but not only a few years as I've described, or even the several decades that the Lord has molded and prepared Pastor Rich and Tracy for this work. But what we do today really goes all the way back to the first century church, about which The Bible tells of the kind of people that the early church sent out, commissioned by the church to further the Lord's work, and it also tells us the means by which the early church did that commissioning. 
And so we're going to see that together this morning. Let's pray and ask God to help us as we do. Father, we thank you for another Lord's Day to gather as your people in your presence, to worship you in the various forms that you have given in your word, that you desire to read your word, to pray to you, to give back to you, to sing praise to you, and then to proclaim your word to your people. And so thank you for this grand privilege. For those who cannot be with us today, in particular because of the inclement weather, we ask that you would uh, allow them to be with us uh, next Lord's Day, but even now, by, by live stream, we thank you for this tool that's used for your service. We ask you to help us now as we look at your word to apply the truths therein for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now, I say in the outline that you should have received on the way in that we need to consider who it is that we send to, fa to do the Father's business. I've asked you to turn to Acts 18 because it speaks of a couple very much like Rich and Tracy in their commitment to advancing the Lord's work. Verse 1, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and there he met a Jew, Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife, Priscilla. Now we'll see that Aquila and Priscilla were an extremely dedicated couple using all that they were and all that they had for the biblical mission. So when I, I say in the outline that the kind of people we send for mission are those for whom their possessions are for the Father's business. Aquila and Priscilla are mentioned six times in the New Testament. And in those passages, we learn a number of things about them, particularly by the way that they serve together for the cause of Christ. Again, verse 1 in Acts 18, Paul left Athens, he went to Corinth, he met a Jew named Aquila, who had recently come from Italy with Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. The emperor Claudius had issued a decree expelling all Christians from Rome. So this now Jewish Christian couple had made their way to Corinth. At the end of verse 2, we're told Paul went to see them. And, verse 3, because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. So when Paul came to this large city of Corinth, he probably asked where he could find a master tent maker or leather worker to seek a job from so that he could support himself by his own trade. Paul was himself a tent maker. And Jewish law directed that young theological students be taught a trade. And on his missionary journeys, Paul earned his living as a tent maker and leather worker. And so he came in contact with Aquila and Priscilla, with whom he lived and worked, presumably alongside other journeymen in their shop. Since Priscilla is often listed before her husband, it probably means that she came from a higher social class than her husband. Aquila may well have been a former Jewish slave who became a freedman in Rome, and he married Priscilla, who possessed citizenship rights. Together, they owned a tent-making and leather-working firm with branches, the Bible tells us elsewhere, in Rome, in Corinth, and in Ephesus. Not only did they open their business to Paul, they opened their home to him as well. They willingly opened their home that he might have a place to stay, while he labored for the Lord and he preached the gospel in Corinth. 
they assisted God's servant in his ministry. Their home and their lives were made available as a means to help people serve Christ. Now hear this. God is not concerned with your success in business unless you do it for multiplying his business. Your business and my business is for his business. And Aquila and Priscilla saw it that way. Rich and Tracy have seen it that way. And we need to ask ourselves, how do we view our possessions? How do we view our homes? Do we view our homes, as we often hear, as our castle? As a, a trophy for people to marvel at? Or do we see our homes and our families as means, as tools to be used to serve Christ? Are we willing to use the resources and the blessings in our homes that God has given us as a family to be used for his cause? Or do we want to protect it and keep it isolated? We don't want people coming in and messing up our stuff. But really the truth of the matter is none of us really has any stuff. None of us really owns anything. We are managers for the one who owns everything. And Aquila and Priscilla allowed Paul to invade their home and their family for, according to verse 11 in this chapter, it was 18 months. They worked with him and they served with him. Friends, our, our homes are not just possessions to be clung to. They are not just good investments. Our perspective ought to be that we want our homes and our families to be used for the cause of Christ. This church started as a small group in Pastor Rich and Tracy's living room 22 years ago. They were our first and at that time only community group. And if we have their mentality, which was the perspective of Aquila and Priscilla long before them, then we will never have a shortage of places to meet for our community groups. Possessions are for the Father's business. And secondly, Plans are for the Father's business. If you look down in verse 18, Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. And then he left the brothers and sisters and he sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he sailed, he had his hair cut off at Sincrea because of a vow he had taken. They arrived at Ephesus where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. So here we're told after the Apostle Paul's extended stay of 18 months in Corinth, he set sail for Palestine and he made his first stop at Ephesus. And then notice who, though, went with him. None other than Priscilla and Aquila. They left their home to go along with Paul to serve the Lord with him. As husband and wife, they were called to serve the cause of Christ together, and they were willing to follow Paul in order to do that. In order to serve the Lord, they were not locked in one location. Now, I'm not suggesting that we all sell our homes and head to the mission field. But we ought to have a perspective, a common focus that says we're going to be at the disposal of the Lord to serve him together wherever and however we can. 
In fact, notice this. Aquila and Priscilla went and served where they were needed, not just for their benefit, but for the larger cause of Christ. When Paul left Ephesus, he headed for yet another city, Antioch, and he left them, Priscilla and Aquila, back in the the city of Ephesus. Now why? Probably to begin to form a nucleus of believers from which they would form a church, because here's what the Bible says elsewhere. The churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does, notice, the church that meets at their house. I mean, forget community groups. (laughs) These guys have the whole church at their house. They were involved in planting a church in Ephesus, and their home housed the church itself. And even though the Bible tells us that they asked Paul to stay with them there, they stayed where they were needed and where they could serve Christ and be part of establishing a church where they could be used of God in a local assembly in Ephesus. What a profound difference, friends, from so many families today. Christian families shop around for a church that fits their fancy and gives them what they want rather than digging in and looking for some place where they can be used, where they can serve God together. Looking for a place that's more needy than where they are to use what they've been given for the purpose for which God gave it. As families, we ought to be at the disposal of God to serve Him together in the local church. That ought to be our heart's desire. That ought to be our common focus and purpose as a family. Pastor Rich and Tracy have exemplified this for us over many years. Our possessions are for the Father's business. Our plans are at His disposal. They are for the Father's business. And our passion is to be for the Father's business. Verse 24. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. So we're introduced to Apollos, who was a brilliant man who came to Ephesus, And he was expounding the scriptures that existed at that time, the first part of your Bible, the Old Testament scriptures. He was knowledgeable of certain things concerning Christ, but what he knew was limited apparently to the teaching and ministry of John the Baptist. He had probably never been taught the finished work of Jesus Christ and of the coming of the Holy Spirit and of Christian baptism. And so this godly lay couple, Aquila and Priscilla. After hearing him, they take him aside, they take him to their home, and they taught him the truth of God concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, these are not professional ministers. I said this lay couple. These are regular folk, regular people in the service of the Lord God. And the Bible tells us that he went back to Corinth, Apollos did, to carry on a powerful gospel ministry. 
And so obviously, in order to do this, even though they were a lay couple in God's church, both Priscilla and Aquila were grounded in the truth of God, grounded in the gospel, the teaching centered on Christ and His saving work. And they were not only each knowledgeable, but they were committed to teaching what they had learned to, to others. As couples and as husband and wife and as families, we need to be growing together in our knowledge of God, in our grasp of the truth of the Word of God, in our grasp of doctrine. And then for the purpose of teaching it to others. Yes, teaching it to our children, but then being available to teach it to others that God brings into our circle of influence as we serve in His church. And notice, it wasn't just practical training that they were giving Apollos, they taught him doctrine. We need to share a common commitment and passion for learning and understanding the Word of God. And that means that we must be committed to challenging each other in our relationships to study and apply the Word to our lives. At minimum, it means that we ought to avail ourselves of the opportunities that are available to us to learn God's Word. And friends, you have many of them. We as a church are about that. We are a Bible church. And our, our, our motto is that we are the family of God built on the Word of God, to the glory of God. And so I encourage you to take advantage of all of those opportunities. Rich and Tracy have been key leaders for our men and women and families for many years, following in the footsteps of the likes of Aquila and Priscilla. Drinking in, soaking in all that they can, but then doing that for the purpose of wringing out the sponge, as it were, so that others then can benefit from what they have been given. When you grow up, you should say to yourself, I want to be like Rich and Tracy. I mean, you need to be able to look at faithful people and say, I want to be like that. Hebrews chapter 13 tells us that. To look at your leaders, look at their manner of life, imitate their faith, the Bible says. And so our possessions, our plans, our passion are all for the Father's business. And their very lives are for the Father's business. Romans chapter 16 says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, they risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all of the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Now I asked Pastor Larry to read from Romans 16 as our scripture reading today. Because in that last chapter of the book of Romans... As he did at the end of many of his letters to churches, the Apostle Paul mentions people, most of whom we know very little about. Sometimes we know nothing about them other than what Paul says in those brief mentions. It's a reminder, friends, that the work of Christ is not... And say, you know, I'm afraid, of, I'm afraid of the big city. I'm afraid of being in Detroit, that kind of thing. And we understand. We see the news reports. We see crime rates, you know, and those kinds of things. In fact, years ago, I was at a seminary function when I was still in seminary. 
And they had all of us go around and introduce ourselves and tell where we're from. And uh, one of the brothers, some of you know George Ramirez, he was in seminary with me. And when George introduced himself, he said, my name is George Ramirez. I was born in Detroit, raised in Detroit. I'll probably get killed in Detroit, he said. (laughs) Now, where Rich and Tracy are going to serve in southwest Detroit probably will not entail risking their lives. The area uh, by the renovated Clark Park has a thriving business district along Verner Avenue. It has the rehabilitated Western High School next to the park. It's very close to the old train station that Ford has beautifully restored and which is bringing new people to the area. And it's right where the Gordie Howe Bridge is going to bring in new people when it's completed in a couple of years. So in in some ways, it's a a happening place. We'll see what happens in the next few years. But it's a new place with some challenges to be sure as a couple from the suburbs comes to minister in a section of Detroit called Mexican Town and needing to do the work of loving on and being accepted by the locals. But whatever the, the unknowns, and there are many, their willingness to do it is impressive and should be an example to us. What a challenge, brothers and and sisters. What are we willing to risk to serve the cause of Christ? What are we willing to jeopardize, to lay on the line to move the cause of Christ forward, to serve Christ together as individuals and as families? The list of things that God has given us that we need to intentionally give back to Him is long, but let me mention just a few. Time and convenience. God does not call his people to simply serve him when it's convenient and fits into our schedules. God is the God of time. He has given us our days. We will see in a few weeks in our series in the book of Psalms, Psalm number 90, that says famously, Lord, teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. We only have so much time, and it came from God. And so we give our our time to him, and we don't operate on our time and convenience. We give our finances to him. It's his. He's the owner. We manage it. And we manage in a way that provides for our families to be sure, but then also seeks to purposely leave aside monies to give back to the Lord as we do each Lord's Day as an act of worship. That we're willing to risk our future plans that we hold the current plans we have with an open hand. And we say, Lord, this is my plan. This is the direction I would like to go if you are willing. But I hold it with an open hand because you are the master, you are the sovereign, and you can change it as you see fit, and I will adjust accordingly. Our personal wants and desires need to be surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I I talked about the area in southwest Detroit. I've gone by there a few times where the church is is located. And there are some things happening there, and we'll see what happens with that in in the coming years. But the truth of the matter is, it's not the most desirable place to go. You're not going there. They're not going there because of their personal wants and desires. 
our reputations. As God's people, we need to be willing to have our reputations sullied and maligned. How foolish for you to go and do something like that, some would say. Certainly the world would. And to our ears, as part of American culture, no doubt this kind, this kind of talk sounds drastic, what Paul says about Aquila and Priscilla risking our lives to serve Christ. But that it does sound drastic is, I believe, a revealing commentary on how much we need to rethink our common commitment as individuals and families to serving Christ and his cause together. So that is a profile of who the church sends out to carry out the Lord's work. And in addition to that, there is, as I say in the outline, how we send for the Father's business. In just a bit, we're going to have Pastor Rich and Tracy come to the platform. And some of our leadership, men and women, will lay hands on them and pray for them and their new work. Now before we do, I want you to know from where this custom of laying hands on servants of the Lord is derived. We see it a couple of times in the book of Acts. A few chapters back in chapter 13, we see it, where we're told in verse 1, in the church at Antioch there were prophets. And the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. They placed their hands on them and they sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went. Now if we look at other passages where Christian workers are appointed, like at the beginning of chapter 15 in the book of Acts, it's clear that this is an act supported by the entire church together with its leaders. In Antioch, both were involved in attesting the validity and of the, the revelation that had been received. So that passage in Acts 13 says that there were prophets in the church at Antioch. And so God had apparently told one or more of those prophets, this is what God wants Barnabas and Saul to do. But the leaders, together with the entire congregation, tested and attested the validity of that rev revelation. Having seen it to be authentic, they laid hands on the missionaries and they sent them out. And that this was a corporate, collective church endeavor is confirmed by the reference to the whole church at the end of chapter 14. So it's the beginning of chapter 13 that they're sent out. Then if you read all of chapter 13 and chapter 14, you find the cities that they went to and what they did. But then at the end of chapter 14, they come back and they meet together with the whole church at Antioch. Just as it was the whole church that sent them out, so it was the whole church that the missionaries reported to on returning to Antioch. And all of that is the means then by which Barnabas and Saul were, quote, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. It involved the church. It involved the leadership of the church, and they laid hands on them. This laying on of hands was a recognition by the church of God's call, and it symbolized the identification of the church at Antioch with their work. Laying on of hands to show approval and commission for a task goes back even further than Acts chapter 13. It goes back to, to chapter 6, where the first deacons were appointed 
by the church. Now, many of you know the situation back in Acts chapter 6, that the very first church that existed anywhere in the world in the city of Jerusalem was, by the time of Acts chapter 6, still the only church that there was. The Great Commission had not yet spread out from there to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You have this one church, and it had, it had grown to thousands of people. On the first day, it had 3,000. And then we're told they had 5,000, but that was just the men. So they had at least 10,000 people in this, in this church. And they had a benevolence ministry for the widows in the church. And a dispute arose about the way that that was conducted. And the apostles, not wanting that to derail the work of the Lord, said, choose seven men from among you, men who have spiritual qualifications and will be able to carry out this work. And here's what Acts chapter 6 tells us. This proposal pleased the whole group. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid hands on them. So they lay hands on them. Why? Because they're being commissioned, in this case, to a task. The task within the church of caring for this important benevolence ministry. And further, we see the laying on of hands in the ordination process that sets apart pastors for the work to which God has called them. We see this as Paul writes in his first letter to his young protege, Timothy. And he says this to him, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you when the body of elders laid their hands on you. So Timothy, at some point in the past, was recognized by the elders of the church as one who met the qualifications that are given in the chapter just prior to that one, 1 Timothy chapter 3, and they laid hands then on Timothy, signifying that God's hand was upon him and that he was being set apart for pastoral work. And now Timothy, who is a leader in the church at Ephesus himself, is told by Paul, now when you lead Timothy, the process of laying hands on other people, be careful with whom you do this. This is what he says in the next chapter, chapter 5. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands. Don't do this quickly. Don't do this unthoughtfully. Do this carefully. It's very important. Who it is that you set apart in the public display of laying on of hands. And that verse goes on to say this. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands and do not share in the sins of others. Notice that connection between the laying on of hands and sharing in the sins of others. If Timothy ordained an elder, he thereby became, in a measure, a guarantee of this person's character. And so he would be implicated in any sins that the person might commit in the future. So Timothy, be very careful about, how, about with whom you do this. And so that's why we're careful. And that's why I've explained and reminded you of who Rich and Tracy are. And why we are happy to lay hands on them publicly and to send them out 
and to have them represent the Lord and in effect, by extension, represent this church where they've served for these 22 years. Now, laying on of hands and commissioning has long been associated almost exclusively with commissioning for foreign missions. Back, not this past summer, but the summer before, our missions coordinators, uh, James and Erica Donovan, went to our sister church, Intercity Baptist in, in Allen Park, because they were having a commissioning service for missionaries that we now support, the, the Novaks. And that was a laying on of hands, a recognition, a setting apart that they are going uh, to, in that case, a foreign land. Now, we hope to have that done here in the future. I pray that God allows me to live long enough to see young people from Community Bible Church indeed go serve the Lord as foreign missionaries. It's the reason that this past summer our Crossroads group had a course called the Missions Course to try to motivate and see if the Lord might use that to plant a seed in the hearts of some of our young people. It's the reason that this summer we are doing our trip to Zambia and thankfully a few of our young people are signed up to go to that. But we really should do this kind of commissioning, not just for foreign missions, but for any who are sent out from our church to help the body of Christ at large. People like the Owens, who went out from us 10 years ago and are serving faithfully in Florida. We did, some of you may remember, lay hands on uh, Rachel Muscat when she left here to go help the then-fledgling Resurrection Church. And she is now serving there as a married woman and, and mother as the church continues to grow. And so that is the background to what we do here. That's why we do it the way we do, and that's why we do it with whom we do. So now we do so for our dear friends, Pastor Rich and Tracy. Here's your take-home truth. The church sends people who are all about the Father's business. And I invite Pastor Rich and Tracy, if you guys will come on up, and then if our leaders will come as well. We are going to have two prayers of commissioning, and the first of those is going to be with, by the chairman of our deacons, uh, Pete Belich, and then after Pete, our associate pastor, Pastor Larry Castle. Let's bow before the Lord. Father, we recognize you are sovereign over everything, and while our coming before before you today is bittersweet. We are grateful and thankful to you for Rich and Tracy and the service they have blessed our church with since its founding. They have served you faithfully here at CBC and touched the hearts and lives of numerous families and individuals through their many ministries. Lord, as they go out from us, we can rejoice in the confidence that you have called them into service at Refuge Church to serve your purpose in that community. Because of this, it is with great measure of thankfulness, joy, and love that we send them off to accomplish the work that, to which you have called them. Your will be done 
All honor, praise, and glory belongs to you. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. We are profoundly grateful for the impact that Pastor Rich and that Tracy have had on this church body for many years now, since its beginning. We thank you, Lord, for all of the work that you have done in their lives, the grace so evident, uh, your grace to them, that prepared them at our parent church here on Baptist Church for the task you had for them here. We thank you, Lord, for now the many years of ministry and preparation that you have put into them for the task you have in front of them now at Refuge Church. Lord, we pray that you would uphold them in this task. We pray that you would strengthen them for this leg of the mission that you are sending them on. We pray, Lord, for Refuge Church, that you would be working in the hearts of the people there, that together as they join in ministry, that you would cause them to be effective at proclaiming your word in that part of the city. We pray that you would now be working in the hearts of the men and the women and the boys and girls that they will reach. Lord, I pray that you will use Pastor Tracy and Rich to uphold the hands of the shepherd that you have put there, that they would uh, be a strength and a blessing to that church. And Lord, we thank you for all of these things as we recognize them as evidence of your grace in their lives, in our lives, to this church, to Refuge Church. Lord, we thank you so much that you allow us to be a part of what you are doing in your world. And so we praise you for this now, as Pete said, this bittersweet moment. But we look forward to it with great anticipation of what you will do because we trust in you. Thank you, Lord, for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I was hoping that the girls would cry later tonight at the, uh, at the uh, reception, but it's come a little bit early, and understandably. Thank God for this uh, precious moment. You guys can, can go and be seated. And I want to encourage you all. Yes. I do want to encourage you all to come back at 6 o'clock tonight. We are going to have a fellowship, and we are going to have time for you to be able to, as Pastor Larry said earlier, speak about the impact that our friends have had upon us individually and as, as a church. So I hope you can do that. One last thing before we have our closing song, and that is we haven't changed our doctrine at the church despite the fact that Pastor Larry prayed, Pastor Tracy and Rich... <laughs> But let's stand for our closing song, okay? <laughs>